0: Hello and welcome to Battleground Ukraine's Big Interview with me, Saul David, and Patrick Bishop. Today, we welcome back Lieutenant Colonel Pavlo Kazan, an environmental scientist turned warrior from the Dnipro region of eastern Ukraine, who now commands a C-4 unit of the Ukrainian army, that is Command, Control, Communications and Computer Activities. Kano, welcome back to the podcast. Can you tell us what you and your unit have been doing since we last spoke in February?
2: Thank you very much, Sol, for having me at the podcast. Very much appreciate it. And since our last conversation, uh, now we we have many teams. So we have our units in different directions now. This is Bakhmut, the Solidar direction, Southern, it's uh, Zaporizhia region and Kherson region. So it's it's, it's many uh, smaller units, which is doing artillery fire correction and dire reconnaissance.
0: And just touching on Bakhmut for a second, Colonel, we've had many debates on the podcast, as I, I'm sure you're well aware, of the the logic of continuing the fight there. We We very much believe that it made strategic sense for the Ukrainians to keep fighting there, not so much the Russians. It seems to have got to a point where the Russians have taken if not all of, but almost all of, the, the city limits. Has that been a, a blow in any sense, or is, is that what was expected sooner or later?
2: Yes, Saul. This is the, actually a very interesting question, uh, because on the one hand, this is a really very small city. This city was beautiful, actually. I like, I love this Bakhmut. And this city was like a diamond of the uh, of Donetsk region which was very different from others with a very deep and long history. And it was really different, different from other cities. Uh, but the matter is not that, what, why we are defending this city for a very long time. And now we have only very small part of the city which is under control of Ukrainian army. But at the same time, this is very important direction because on this direction, we are very much exhausting Russians. And this is very important because, for them, this direction is really principle, because, as you remember, they declare it. They they have to go to the administrative borders of Donetsk and Lugansk regions. And for them, it's like very symbolic to move in forward forward there. And they're spending enormous amount of resources. They uh, they lost enormous amount of, of personnel, soldiers. They not counting them. They are using them like an ammunition because uh, it's uh, the Russian soldiers cheaper than ammunition. It is absolutely a low level of uh, morality and absolutely no any. Humanity and something like the because they just using them there on this direction for the absolutely uh, ensure in, in their death. But at the same time, we also Ukrainian army also first of all using this direction to dissolve them to uh, make them weaker. And uh, of course, the question is not like the Bakhmut is principal point like the. The very strategical point of this war, but as a very good point, a very good direction to make the Russian army weaker. Because they're spending a lot lot of ammunition, they're spending a lot of resources there on that direction. But at the same time, we, we have preparing this direction closer to Yar and the Konstantinivka, and uh, we have very good positions there, I believe.
1: Colonel, can we talk a little bit about uh, Prigozhin and the role of Wagner in all this? Um, you'll have seen the video in which uh, Prigozhin declares victory. He says this was all down to us, to my men. And he's now saying that they're going to pull back to retrain, recuperate, etc. What do you think is going on there with Prigozhin and Wagner?
2: you know i think prigozhin and wagner is um, like a, a new political game in russia and because of the uh, full misunderstanding with them and no consensus inside the uh, russian army uh, this is uh, like a the huge political project for them it's very important to prove russian people that you see we have uh, some victory on this direction they're not talking about how many people died there, how, how they're using these soldiers like an ammunition, but not like the humans. And uh, for them, it is like a new, a new political tricks, first of all, to have this propaganda for Russian people. And the Russian people, as we see on some so- sociology and on the general Russian opinion and the general opinion of Russian society, they're very good consuming this propaganda. And this propaganda really working very well for, for Russian people. But it's not the real victory. And we, we understand that in the context of this war, it is like a very small part where they, they are, first of all, Russians, first of all, exhausting their army. They make a, a lot of loss. They have a, a lot of deaths. And uh, this is not any strategical moving, I think.
0: When we last spoke, Colonel, you were understandably concerned about the number of missile and drone attacks on cities and infrastructure in Ukraine. You you were concerned about civilians behind the line. And you said it's difficult to be on the front line when you know these attacks are taking place. How much difference has some of the new equipment that the West has provided, including the anti-missile batteries, Patriot and others, in knocking down a lot of these weapons, we are getting reports that most of them are being knocked down now, but obviously one or two are still getting through.
2: Yeah, it's a very good question because uh, it is very, very important and actual now. And we can see on the example of Kiev city, yesterday was day of Kiev, and Russians congratulated us with the more than 50 different missiles uh, before yesterday in the night, uh, on before yesterday and yesterday and uh, all of these missiles and kamikaze UAVs was easily targeted by a new a very effective system, Patriot and this is the really very important game changer on the in, in the air, and I believe that as soon as we will have all this equipment around the uh, bigger cities and uh, first of all Kyiv, we have in Kyiv, but we need more on Kyiv, Dnipro, Odessa, Kharkiv, uh, Lviv, the the regional cities. And uh, I do believe that with this equipment, we can uh, destroy all missiles uh, flying to Ukraine. But of course, it was the questions with uh, supersonic missiles. But as you might know, it was the several cases when Patriot destroyed even these missiles. And it was the first time in history when the Patriot destroyed such missiles. So that is why it's, it's really big changing. And we just need some more. Now this is the, the question for our partners to give us more of this equipment. On the question of uh, your
1: own work, Colonel... Uh, you said that your unit is now being broken down into smaller groups and being spread out further. Are you seeing, as you get used to the battlefield conditions, as as you get more and more experienced, is accuracy improving in terms of your artillery spotting activities?
2: Yeah, of course. We now have a lot of experience with uh, this with artillery. We're improving our tactics. And, of course, it's very important that now we... Understanding the more in details about the uh, specifications of Russian electronic warfare uh, instruments, and Ukraine working on to have much effective Uavs to overcome all these uh, electronic warfare effects, and uh, we are receiving uh, some new generations of Uavs from other countries, as well as Ukraine also producing newer UAVs with better radio, with better GPS and antennas and so on. And this is, of course, this is the the competition and the war of technologies. And my position that we have to use much more progressive technologies, less than using soldiers. So we need to change soldiers with the technologies, with unmanned systems. Not only unmanned aerial systems, but also unmanned land systems and unmanned water systems. And we are working on this issue. It is, of course, it's it's, it's a very long uh, way. Of course, it's a long way to temporary. It's a long way to go. (laughs) And at the same time, I do believe that we will change this situation, especially with unmanned uh, systems and robots.
0: Colonel, the big news we reported on the podcast last week was two prongs. First of all, the Authorization of the US for F 16 fighters to be transferred to the Ukrainian Army or Ukrainian Air Force but also, and just as significant we felt, was this absolute affirmation that weapons that were provided by America could be used to recover all Ukrainian territory, including Crimea, which we felt was a bit of a change from some of the language that was coming out of Washington at the beginning of the year. How significant do you feel that those two announcements are for the future of the war? I mean, one analyst that we've had on the programme, Philip O'Brien said that he thinks that was the week that the war was won definitively won for Ukraine because of those two decisions.
2: Yes, it's really very important because it's very much support the confident mood of Ukrainian soldiers. Because from the beginning of the war from 2014 we've been talking about the global war and we've been talking that this war not just a war between Russia and Ukraine. This war, this is a Russian war against civilized war. And, of course, the, the political decisions was really very slowly. We understand why. It's a very complex uh, system of all these political decisions on the international level as well as on the national levels. And first of all, with uh, the US and with the UK, as the key players in this war and yes fortunately we got this decision that yes we can use everywhere and of course it is very good because it's understandable that the Crimea is Ukraine territory and what we are talking about we're talking about that we need to have all this territory of Ukraine Crimea Donetsk and Lugansk regions. And we have to liberate all of these territories. And no discussion if we will liberate one territory or will not liberate another territory. Because according to the international law, all this territory is the sovereign territory of my country. And of course, it is very, we are very happy to, to have these decisions. And uh, especially we just receiving uh, storm shadows. And it is very important missiles uh, with the range more than 500 five hundred kilometers, five hundred and uh, fifty, uh, I guess. And of course, about F uh, sixteen jets of uh, fourth generation. It is very powerful jets uh, with the universal platform. I am not an air force officer, but at the same time, I know how it's important for our. Colleagues in Air Force uh, is everybody talking about how this F-16 jet is so universal and uh, very good for this war. And of course, it is very important that we are now supporting, supplying this important Air Force component of this war. It was the tanks which we received, and now I think it's a very important stage of. Uh, long-range missiles and F-16 jets. And in addition, yes, we can see how how political messages, how rhetoric is changing. It is very slow, as I said, but at the same time, I believe that our Ukrainian soldiers' mood and what we are doing on the front line could prove American and British and uh, European politicians how they can manage all these processes because Ukraine an independent state and Ukraine is a part of Europe. And this is very important to, to understand that this war is the war in Europe. And this is very important for Ukraine. What I would like to have in the nearest time to join to NATO. This is a very important aim to Ukraine. And it is much more important than joining the European Union, because NATO is about the European security. And I believe that this is very important also, not only for Ukraine, but for other European countries.
1: Well, that was fascinating, as always. Do join us after the break for the second half of the interview. Hi,
0: I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast generating texts in seconds thanks to ai common side effects include increased productivity compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction now i can say bye-bye to writer's block ask your boss if canva magic is right for you at
1: canva.com designed for work
0: canva.
1: looking to invest start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with global x etfs Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. The American Bar Association provides access to career-changing and life-changing opportunities. Invest in your growth, Deepen your knowledge and join us in our pursuit of making a positive impact for all. The American Bar Association.
0: Welcome back to Battleground Ukraine's big interview. We're now going to hear more from our fascinating interview with Lieutenant Colonel Pavlo Kazan.
1: Uh, Colonel, various uh, officials have said that uh, we, we should all be standing by that the offensive much helded offensive is about to kick off. I don't want you to give away any secrets, of course, but can you tell us if your units are in a state of heightened alert that you are expecting to be more active in the days to come, or indeed are you already in that situation
2: uh, yes it's a very interesting question. Uh, of course, we are ready for any orders from uh, our commander in chief and our commander and the local commanders and yes we will do as soon as we will have all these orders and now it's very difficult to say on which direction it's the very specific uh, in different directions the very different situation specific situation we've been talking about bakhmut because it's the, the most uh, bright direction or most a lot of fire there but at the same time, southern direction are also very important for us. And uh, it's it's a lot of, of preparation as well as a lot of activity there.
0: Colonel, what is the mood now in the country? I mean, uh, Patrick referenced the counteroffensive or the offensive, maybe a better way of describing it. But what is the general mood both among Ukrainian soldiers and the Ukrainian people as to what the months ahead might bring for Ukraine?
2: First of all, I think that Ukrainian people's mood is not changing since the war started. And it is much more, became more confident after the big invasion. And as you see, we have many volunteers, many non-governmental organizations, and formal groups uh, who are supporting uh, Ukrainian army. And this is very important that not, uh, that everybody, practically everybody in Ukraine participate on all these processes. Like, we are participating as a serviceman uh, on the front line or in our unit for managing all these processes. But the civilian people participating to support, it is huge, huge support from from civil society. And I believe this confident mood uh, will continue. And especially when we're receiving all this information about new equipment and new weapons like storm shadow, F-16, it's even increasing our belief in our victory, because uh, there is no, as I said, there is no any compromises, and uh, we, there is no any room for negotiation if Ukraine will uh, liberate all of territories or some of territories. There is only way to liberate all territories. And uh, this is the the common understanding of Ukrainian citizens. And of course, we are for a very long time in the war. And this is, of course, is some reflection in society. And people are ready for missiles attacks. Uh, Of course, everybody lives in not very peaceful condition. Of course, we we are the the cities, not, not occupied cities, uh, like a peaceful territories, but at the same time, people understand that Russian missiles could come anytime and especially in the night. And last week a Russian missile targeted uh, a hospital in my city of Dnipro. And at the same time, all these cases only support this confident mood and the, the willingness to win in this war and to understanding what Russian society is who, who are they and this is also moving away any consequences of the Russian world and I think it also gives us a lot of resources a lot of the positive emotion to support Ukraine to support Ukrainian culture to renew Ukrainian territories and this is what I can see that this is the, what people tune in on this positive way, but at the same time, we are remember. We are in the war. In even and in the peaceful cities, on the peaceful territories, people every time, every day remember that we are in the war, and it's necessary to support our soldiers. It's necessary to support our army. But practically every families have servicemen on the war or not on the war, but on trainings, on polygons or somehow support the uh, Ukrainian army. Do
1: you think there's a danger then, Colonel, that this mood of solidarity, of determination, could suffer if the offensive does not produce significant results?
2: Uh, you see, this is the war, and we understand that it is uh, not very easy to take any decisions, but we have very highly professional command of Ukraine army. And uh, I believe that uh, our commander-in-chief, General Zaluzhnyi, I believe that he is one of the prominent general and professional. And uh, they are thinking about all these strategical things. We trust them. But uh, in any case, what will be the the result of this counteroffensive? we will find. And this is our fight, and we we have to win In, in any case. And if we have some problems in on one direction, we will have some positive moving in the other direction. Because we are on our territory, we, we are on our land, and we have such huge support from our friends, from NATO. And that is why with, with all this support, with all this common integral strength, we have to win.
0: One of the big advantages you have, Colonel, of course, is the confidence that you've spoken about and the support of the backers in the West for the Ukrainian armed forces on the one hand. And on the other hand, we're getting increasing sense of a lack of direction and a lack of, of kind of will to win among the Russians. Is this feeding through to you? Are you becoming aware of that? Is your is your unit becoming aware of that?
2: Yes. First of all, that the Russians mobilizing much more people. And we understand that they mobilizing maybe one point million personnel. And this is, of course, a big challenge for us. And in this case, we again thinking about technologies. Our technologies, our smartness must win and must overcome the quantity of, of personnel, the quantity of, of soldiers, of Russian soldiers. And uh, of course, we cannot mobilize so many people how, like, Russian army could, but at the same time, uh, I think that our soldiers much more trained, and our soldiers being on on their own territories uh, with the the patriots, and uh, their soldiers, they are criminals, they are invading countries, and uh, this is the absolutely different moral, and this is the less of moral of Russian army, and the Absolutely brainwashed with Russian propaganda and uh, absolutely absence of orientation in the space. Uh, I think uh, this is the, uh, the very huge weakness of their army. So, but at the same time, we have to, to not underestimate our enemy and uh, to be ready on any challenges what we have now.
1: Okay, Colonel, I don't have any more questions for you, just to wish you all the very best of luck in the coming days and weeks. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you as always. Thank you.
0: Just one, one last thing for me, Colonel, is that you've made a lot of, you know, really important points, I think, about what the West needs to think about when it's looking at this war. Is there anything else, anything else you'd like to add for, for our listeners that w- we should consider?
2: I, I believe that European politicians should be, first of all, quicker in their decisions they should look on Ukrainian army and Ukrainian people. And this is the, the example to be much more brave in, in the political life because the question is about democracy because it is not enough to, to build democracy. It is important to protect democracy. And this is the, also a question, this is the, also a task of European politicians of uh, American politicians and I would like to, to have them more active, of course we very much appreciate indeed all, all this support with weapon with equipment with training, with advice and uh, with their moral support and this is very important also to tell European American and all civilized world about what happened here. And I very much appreciate to you what you're doing with your podcast because it's very high-level analytics giving people to understand the situation, to understand in details the situation. And it's very important that people in the civilized countries should tell politicians that all this world is our common. And if Europe will be under the threat of Russia. It is not the case of negotiation. It is the case to have very active resistance with a weapon. And this is very important to understand. And uh, I wish uh, to have all possible weapon and all possible uh, equipment now to win. And I believe uh, we will receive it. Because as we see messages from the UK and from the US, from the top level. We do hope to, to receive it. And uh, believe that after Storm Shadow and after F-16, we will receive much more from equipment and weapons.
0: Colonel, thanks so much for coming on again. We, uh, we've spoken to you three times now. We hope that as and when we speak to you a fourth time, we will be getting close to a, a, a successful resolution to
1: this terrible war.
2: Thank you very much indeed for this conversation.
1: Thanks, Colonel. Thanks very much, Colonel. That's brilliant, as always, and very, very good luck. Well, it's always a pleasure to hear from Colonel Pavlo, isn't it? And I thought, I was just rather struck by the first thing he said about Bakhmut. We just think of it as being this battleground, but he reminded us that, you know, in peacetime, it was a beautiful city. I remember Askell saying how it was famous for its flowers, the... uh, Residents are very proud of their the way that they keep the city looking beautiful and a reminder of just, you know, the awful destructiveness of all war, but in particular, this one. This is something that uh, really will be the memory of the war, I think, for, for a lot of us, that the sight of those, you know, once thriving communities reduced to rubble by the sheer weight of armament that's raining down on them.
0: He also confirmed Patrick um something we've long been positing on the podcast which is that there is a strategic logic to the Ukrainian army fighting there there was a lot of criticism in fact from the west commentators analysts former generals that the Ukrainians would keep their soldiers fighting for what in effect they believe was a lost cause but it's interesting actually that the colonel's not even conceding that the whole of bakhmut has been taken which of course is the line that they Ministry of Defence and senior leadership are also playing out, but whether that's technically true or not is sort of irrelevant. The fact is that the Russians, Wagner, have got themselves into a hole. Really, there they they've captured a bit of terrain that is not going to lead to any more gains. He spoke about the effective defences a little bit further back in the line. In other words, they managed to take a city, but at what cost? And the cost, of course, and this is the important point, is the exhaustion of their army, both in personnel and also in material. And spoke of course as we uh, have also alluded to before about the russians being prepared to use their men like ammunition i mean it's a sort of grim uh metaphor isn't it
1: yeah he, he did clear up one point though i think for us about why are they doing this and of course you know if you're laying claim to donetsk and, and Lugansk as russian soil then you've got the same kind of imperative in a funny way as the ukrainians have you're saying this is our territory you have to go up to the administrative borders in order to declare them liberated. So the, they've been caught, uh, as you were saying before, in, in, a, in a trap. But this is a kind of uh, legalistic trap, if you like, of saying, you know, you can't really claim victory unless you've gone up to where you say uh, your borders are. Um, also very struck by the positive reports he's had. he was giving us about the efficacy of the hatchet. It seems like a fantastic bit of kit, doesn't it? Knocking down almost everything that comes over now, including these hypersonic missiles.
0: Yeah, he described it as a game changer, which is what we felt it would be too. And also he spoke about the storm shadow. So you've got these two things, both of which they were told they weren't going to get. And it took them an awful long time to get them. But on the one hand, the Patriot are allowing the men in the trenches not to feel that kind of, you know, that that visceral kind of concern for the for the civilian population back home. He said, you know, we can last time we spoke to him, he said we can hardly concentrate on our jobs because we're so concerned about what's happening to the rear. Now that, at least in the main, he did reference the fact that the odd thing is still getting through that terrible attack on a hospital in Dnipro, his hometown. But generally speaking, Patriot is certainly knocking out pretty much everything that's coming towards Kiev. He hopes, of course, that more missile batteries will be given to protect the other regional towns. But it's a big game changer. And so is Storm Shadow. And it's interesting that he gave a little bit of detail there, Patrick, which adds to what we've heard, which is that the storm shadows they are getting can actually go 550 Ks. Now, some people have suggested, well, they were only getting the kind of shortened version, but it sounds like they're getting the, you know, full scale. So they can be sent certainly anywhere in Ukraine and also outside Ukraine, too. I'm not sure there's any indication they've been used outside the country, but certainly they can reach anywhere inside the country. And so it's a question of wait and see where those storm shadows are going to hit when the offensive proper begins.
1: Yeah, and this must give the Russians pause, must not it? Because this is a significant uh, increase in capability for the Ukrainians. They've already shown they're edging towards this position, aren't they? Of actually saying, "Well, we're not sure. We do actually buy the idea that we're not going to rush attack Russian territory per se." We've seen it with the backing these, uh, you know, Russian dissident groups, etc. So, with the Storm Shadow in their pocket, they can actually start to uh, give the Russians some pause for thought, also impressed by this absolute uh, dogged insistence that all territory has to be recovered, including Crimea. Now, this is something I think that uh, we can take at, at face value. I don't think this is any kind of negotiating position for the likes of, of Colonel Pavlo. And indeed, as he said, the entire Ukrainian people, you know, even uh, Anatol Levin, uh, when he was on last week, was saying that you know, the mood hasn't really changed from his observations having been there recently, and that there is this extraordinary solidarity. When I press uh, Colonel Pavlov a bit on, will this survive a uh, less than dramatic result, a success in the coming offensive, then he wasn't, didn't really answer that, but he seemed to give the indication that, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of resolve still there and there's, there's a long way to go before, uh, Zelensky and those around him are going to face any significant pressure from below to sort of trim their, their position.
0: And finally, from me, Patrick, I mean, reading between the lines, uh, I got a complete change of mood from when we last spoke to the Colonel. There was a, there was a kind of sense in February. Yes, I think the decision had already been taken to give the battle tanks, but he was pleading for a lot more weapons and they've got a lot of those weapons now. And they've also done the training and they are ready to strike. I got a real sense of sort of, you know, under the service, not overconfidence. I mean, he stressed that it was important not to be overconfident, but a real kind of sense that something was going to happen soon that was going to make a big difference. And, uh, you know, we, we are, of course, right behind the Colonel and his men and the Ukrainian army, armed forces more generally. In all of that, there was, uh, I should just add quickly, Patrick, a, a kind of rather grim example of the useful idiots in the UK meeting at one of the university conferences and talking about an immediate cessation of hostilities and even referencing some of the sort of communist claptrap, Marxist claptrap that actually the war was partly to do with imperial aggression. And that if Ukraine won, believe it or not, Patrick, this would be a win for Empires. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. These guys need to listen to the podcast. They need to listen to someone like Colonel Kazan talking about the real realities of what's going on.
1: Yeah, this is another classic example of where the far left and the far right come together, isn't it? They, they can both agree that uh, on this point, that somehow when people stand up for their rights, and behave in in a thoroughly democratic fashion, as far as I can see, then somehow there's something wrong with it. Well, there you go. They've got to earn a living, these guys. So uh, let's let's not be too harsh on them. Okay, well, I've learned a lot from that. I'm sure you did too, Saul. Do join us on Friday when we'll be digging down into all the latest developments. There's lots of interesting things uh, popping up at the moment. So do join us on Friday to hear us talking about those. Goodbye.